Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. God bless you and welcome to Core 242 Season 2. Uh, we're very excited to start start the new season for us. We just finished our year and a half journey of going through Acts 242 through 47 and are really the passion of our church. So now we want to go through new things. We shared with you guys last episode that we're going to go through uh, Fruit of the Spirits. We're going to go to the spiritual um, gifts and, and many more things. So today we're starting a new series of Fruit of the Spirit. It comes from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We felt it was very important for us to cover the fruit of the spirit because it is the character of a Christian. And where do we get that character of the Christian? Why it's even called fruit of the spirit, right? Uh, we have to go back, go into John 15, 5 where Jesus is speaking about this, and I'm not, the whole chapter is talking about the vine and the branches, but right here in verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If, I, if, if a man remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about multiplying the world, making a bigger church for yourself, all that, all that stuff. That's not what it is. We're talking about fruit, fruit of the Spirit. All those big parts of what Christianity, all the big parts of who Jesus was, that is the the big one. That that's that's the that's what we're going to focus on today. And today's one, I know, uh, it's it's kind of odd, but it really put on our heart to start off actually backwards to go through, go through the fruit of the spirits. And the first one is self control. And as you guys listen to the teachings for today, you will really understand that. It makes total sense to start with self-control, right? Yeah, in in the understanding of the ancient world, you know, this the book of Galatians was actually written to a Gentile primarily audience, and their philosophical understanding of the word of self-control, which is ekratai, um, it was that you had authority or power uh, over your not only your actions and your your bodily movements and the things that you did but also over your emotions as well as even your impulses and it there the virtue of self-control was actually elevated to such a point that self-control was seen as the foundation for every other virtue in other words you couldn't truly love if you didn't have self-control because your love would either be self-centered or obsessive so having an understanding that really self-control was the foundation upon which other virtues were built. And, you know, we've taught this, bef- this before, not this piece, but about the John 15 and the fruit of the spirit. But it doesn't hurt to reiterate, especially for those of you who may be listening who are new, that, you know, that we get so often focused on when we read that verse that we are supposed to go out and bear fruit. We hear the Great Commission and, you know, Matthew 28 to go out and, and minister to the whole world. But what he's talking about there, as my husband said, is the fruit is the transformation 
of us from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Jesus did not die and raise from the dead and give us the Holy Spirit for salvation so that we could be rescued from the pit of hell still smelling like flames, right? Mm -hmm. He yes. wants us to be transformed by his resurrection power, transformed by the renewing of our mind, to be made justified and righteous, to be a holy people, blameless before God's sight. And so this is so, so, so central to the character of a Christian, which is what we're really looking at this journey over the next several months, however long it may take, uh, looking at, you know, before we were looking at disciplines and practices, kind of the, the qualities and characteristics of the church and what your discipleship journey should look like with God. It was more, more practical action. And right now we really are looking at the content of our character and self-control is a really great place in that sense to start just having this knowledge that you had authority over your identity, over your sense of self. And we have, all of us may have a number of hats that we wear, right? You know, you have your, your work self, you have your family self, your, your, who you are with your friends. You have all these competing kind of sub identities. You know, maybe you're an athlete, maybe you have a, you know, some sort of a hobby and you can kind of act a little bit different, right? Depending on who you're around. But there is this one larger overarching sense of self. And that's the self that was the most important when you talk about the word self-control, meaning that that self governed and, and had authority and power over all those other sub-desires, all those other sub-selves. So your sense of self as a Christian, meaning that you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, your identity in Christ is should be the ultimate self. That is now you've been crucified with Christ, therefore you no longer live. Mm -hmm. It is Christ living in you. So your yourself should be submitted to the Holy Spirit, which is what he talks about in this chapter of Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, that before you are a mother or a father or a husband or a student or even a good citizen, whatever you fill in the blank, above and beyond before all of those things have to submit and come under the governance and the authority of your true self, your true identity as a child of God, as a disciple of Christ. Yeah, and that might be hard to, to um, understand or just accept that for us to have that power is submission to God's will. I think in self-control, this is our time for us to pause and let his will be done and not ours. And that's, that's a big part of this fruit of the spirit of self-control is giving everything else unto the Lord. And I think as we talk about all the self-control, like uh, we can, the examples of, you know, somebody wronged us and we want to say something back is because of us, but you know, back to the whole, what would Jesus do kind of thing? We, hold on and try to see God in the response that we have. And even in that, in that, in that part of it, uh, we talked earlier about how with self-control, it gives us room for responding to something instead of reacting to something, right? And we're going to talk about it being impulsive and all that stuff, right? But it's uh, when we are under self-control, when we're on God's will, then we can respond to the situation that comes our way in a holy and righteous way that uh, is honoring God instead of just um, re reacting on our emotions, reacting on our 
uh, whatever else that gives us that knee jerk. Right. right. So that's why we wanted to start with self-control. We're hoping that as we fall under God's will, then and submit to God's will, then the whole thing of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness is going to just flow from, it. flow from it. Exactly. Right. So, you know, kind of on the bookends of this Galatians chapter 22, which is the overarching banner of this series that we're starting on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the scripture goes on to say in verse 16, it says, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature so there's that tugging that i was mentioning that we have these competing sense of selves you know you in the in the movies a lot of times they portray it as you have like this little devil on one shoulder and mm. the angel on the other uh, but really a lot of times we're just at war within ourselves it's, it's our sinful nature and whether or not we will submit to the holy spirit and it says they're at conflict with one another so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under that law. And then on the, the tail end of that, it says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. And there's this long list of things that if you are not operating in the spirit, the way that your life looks, and it involves, I mean, there's envy, there's drunkenness, but there's, I mean, there's anger, dissension, selfishness, rage. Uh, so some things seem pretty straightforward, but a lot of them are things that we you really wrestle with every day being jealous of a friend or envious of that promotion these things that are at war within us and part of the christian journey is to have authority over those desires uh, by submitting to the holy spirit and you had said that that we're we're really not able to do that until we come to christ yeah. there's this idea you know people talk about free will right mm -hmm. the reality is is if you don't have Christ in your life. If you oh, are not a follower about. of the Holy Spirit, if, you're, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you, you have no free will. You are a slave to sin. So, mm -hmm. You cannot choose anything because you are at war and, and an enemy of God. That's, that is our nature. That's, that's the biblical. So a lot of times people are, don't want to submit to Christ because they want to do their thing and they want their, yep. but you're actually not free at all. It's only when we come to Christ that he sets us free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? Yes. And But then it warns us over and over again, Paul warns, he says, but now that you have been free, right? Don't become a slave again to sin because when you have free will, you still have the ability to choose. And we could go back and we could keep like a dog returning to vomit, right? Mm -hmm. And and the goal is that since we live by the spirit, let us walk in step with the spirit. Meaning that now that you're free, don't go back to that garbage. Yeah. Walk and bear fruit in the spirit, which are these fruit right here. And that that's where self-control comes in, that autonomy that I am going to choose the path of righteousness instead of becoming again a slave to sin. Yeah, it's it's a lot it's a lot to take and just before we get into the body of it, as we were taught as I was listening to what you were saying, the importance of self-control. And this is just one part of self-control, but James talks about it in uh, chapter one, verse twenty-six. It says, If anyone considered himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, so having self-control over his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Ouch. That is that is a slap in the face. And he's just talking about one part mm -hmm. of who you are, your speech. Right. Right? 
but he very much James is straightforward. I love James. He's very straightforward and and simple. He made made it be very basic for us, but that goes through the whole part of who we are as Christians and what we do in this world. That if we don't have that self control, if we are not under Christ, yeah, our religion is worthless. We we're, we're just kind of there, and uh, yeah, that's really hard. But I'm excited to get into these uh, next next uh, verses that kind of put us through what we have. So as I mentioned at, at the beginning, we we found that we tend to think of self-control just, you know, that you're in the car and someone cuts you off and you don't have road rage, right? Or <laughs> self-control is that you're able to follow the diet or self-control is that someone gets up in your face and you don't, you don't take them out because <laughs> you, know, you don't lose your Christianity uh, because like you used to in the past. But self-control really has these three layers, the first and most basic of which is movement control, meaning that you control your actions, your bodily movements, uh, you know, that not punching someone in the face, the not <laughs> flipping someone the bird or you know, whatever. Uh, that's the first layer. The second layer is emotional control, where you come to the understanding that no one can make you mad. Mm -hmm. You choose to become angry by external influences. Uh, no, and, and on the flip side, no one can also make you happy. You know, if you're jumping from relationship to relationship trying to find happiness, no one can ever make you happy. Yeah. You find your joy as a decision, as a choice through your relationship with Christ. It's mm -hmm. the void that no one else can fill. Yeah. And the third one is this impulse control, which is down to the very core of our thoughts and our knee-jerk reactions. And the the tricky part is, is that if we don't have this understanding and we think, oh, self-control, well, you know, I don't do what I used to do because I... I, I now am a believer and I, I go to church and I, I don't do this or do that. I'm not all over the place, but God always has more. He always has more. And so beyond just our actions, we're going to look at three examples. The first being that basic, you know, fundamental of that, our, our movement control. And the second would be our emotional reaction. And the third example is having self-control so perfected all the way down to your actual impulse control yep so just real briefly well the movement one i feel like is, is pretty straightforward so we're looking at second kings it's pretty, pretty straightforward <laughs> pretty straightforward yeah. second kings chapter two so you have here the picture of elijah who's this incredible prophet uh, such a man of god did these incredible things as just probably one of the highest if not the highest prophet in all of uh, israel history and at this point in chapter two, Elijah is about to be taken up and God decides that he will not die, but that he'll be taken up in chariots of fire in a whirlwind. It's very dramatic. It's yeah. very powerful. And his, his successor, which is Elisha, is with him. And this, the reason we're pointing this story out is because it's an interesting example. Before Elijah is taken up, he asks Elisha, what can I do for you before I leave? And Elisha has been walking with Elijah for a long time, and he sees all the, you know, the presence of God and the power that he's able to have. And so he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Wise. Elisha replied, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. And we're, again, not going too far into the story, God obviously gives this to him. But after, immediately after Elijah is taken up, Elisha's response is that he tears his cloaks apart, his clothes apart, 
and he picks up the cloak and he starts to stomp away, right? And he says, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He's like angry. So he strikes the water with the cloak and almost surprisingly, the water still parts <laughs> and he's able to cross over. So the prophets who are watching, they say the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha because they're watching it. But he's like oblivious because he's just, he's angry. So, so then the next emotion we see in verse 17 is he becomes ashamed. And then, so there's all these emotional things. And, and Elisha, who has this double portion of the Holy Spirit, is just totally acting with no, no self-control. And, and one of the capstone pieces of this is in verse 23, the same chapter, he is walking along the road and some youths come up out of the town and they jeer him and they call him a baldy. <laughs> and so he turns around, looks at them, calls down a curse in the name of the Lord. Two bears come out of the woods and maul. This is not funny at all. This is terrible. They maul the 42 youths. So he calls these bears out of the woods with this double anointing, this super, and he basically That's abuses he the power to, to maul and kill these youths because they, they jeered him. And this pattern. Can I explain what jeer means? It, they made fun of him. Okay. They taunted Thank him, you. right? So this pattern follows Elisha through pretty much his whole ministry. He does these incredible things. And I'm not saying that he didn't love the Lord and he, he didn't have it. He definitely was a prophet of God. But the lack of self-control really left a, a shadow over his ministry. Uh, towards the end of his, his ministry, he's actually referred to, I believe it's in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 11. He's, he's already known for the countryside. It says, why did this madman send to you? Uh, so he was known, the word there's actually a maniac, someone who has no control over their faculties. That's, they didn't say, you know, the prophet of God, the man of God, the, the you know, holy one. No, he was known as being just a, a crazy guy. So he had this incredible power. And how often do we see that? You know, people follow a pastor or a preacher or a prophet and they say, oh, they're just so anointed. You know, their teaching is so powerful or they can do these signs and wonders, but they abuse their power and there's no love in them. There's no self-control. And sadly, unlike unlike Elijah, when the time comes for Elisha to die, there's literally one verse dedicated to it. In 2 Kings 13, 20, it just says Elisha died and was buried. No chariots of fire, no being taken up in a whirlwind. He just died and was buried. But even his bones were so powerful, it says that after that, that a dead man was thrown into his tomb. And when the body touched Elisha's bone, the man resurrected and stood to his feet. So that's just, he had the power, right? But he had no control over, you know, and, and scripture teaches that, that the prophet has authority over the anointing and the spirit that's been given to them. And, and Elisha just wasn't ever able to, to master that really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so the, that is, I, I love that story. First of all, I've never heard anybody preach about that from that story. Um, you know, and as a bald person, I appreciate <laughs> that story. Not that I would want to curse anybody for calling me bald or anything like that. Um, the others, the next, the next, uh, verses that, that I, I would love to get into. These are my guys, the sons of thunder. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, James and John and Luke nine, 
Uh, this is it from 51 through 56. Um, it says this, as the time approached for, for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out to, for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaria, Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. I, I love that it's it's such a, like, huge thing. Like, they were about to burn a village down, and he rebukes them, and the, the verse is over. But I feel like... I feel like we, we really see that effect. It's that it's that um, reflection of like we we're about to destroy everything. I don't care what's going on. We just we just fed the five thousand. We just show love to people, and here we get offended. But we can say it was righteous anger. It was righteous anger because we rejected Jesus. So we're gonna out of our pride, we're gonna do something about it. And so here we here we show we see the importance of self control. We see what happens when there's no self control, right? We see how in Samaria was about to get destroyed if it was in the hands of John and James. And thankfully, they had Jesus Christ right there with them to stop them. Talking about being under authority of the Holy One, yeah. right? He was there in person to kind of smack them around rebukes them. rebukes them smack them around which and the cool thing about this uh that we read about this village in acts chapter 8 where Phil, uh, philip is preaching over there all these miracles happen and who gets which which disciple gets sent there of course john it would have been cool if it was james and john but it was peter and john uh but they see the fruit they see the fruit of that grace that god uh did for them if right. they had struck that town, none of those people would have ever had the chance to hear the gospel. Exactly, exactly. That's the importance of self, of self control of how God is able to move in things that we don't know about. Right. We really need to be able to understand that it's God's. God is going to be the one who's going to judge them. God is going to be the one who's going to bless them, and it's not our job to stand up on our righteous um, stands and start yelling at people right so that is that is an important part of for us the i think for for me what i walk away from this it's it's that righteous justified anger but it's still all about our pride and ourselves and our wants and our needs and nothing to do what god wants or wants to do yeah so they reacted something happened and they reacted jesus had time to respond he responded with grace. He responded with the other fruits of the spirit, right? Kindness and love. Well, he rebukes them. Rebukes <laughs> them. Yeah. Love but and to, kindness towards the, the Samaritans. But to the village. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the village of Samaria who's been through a thing or two. Right. Absolutely. And it's this is a this great example of what we're saying is that there's the the movement control, right? Which is the surface layer that Elijah did Elisha didn't have. And then there's the emotional control which the sons of thunder which is why they have that nickname probably they clearly didn't have because they hear that that 
Jesus being rejected. And, and they may have even thought back to the story of Elisha being rejected in the same way and, and how he was able to call down the wrath of God. And they, they get angry. And Jesus is like, why are you angry? This is not, this is not the proper emotional response. So even though they had the level of control, they didn't actually call down fire. And so they didn't actually do it. They had the self-control enough to ask permission first, I guess. <laughs> and which should be a good thing for us. Yeah, I it's, think it's that's, step one. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I going back to pausing, like, what would Jesus do? Or, <laughs> or like, all right, God, I feel wronged, or I feel that you've been wrong in this situation. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to? Yeah. Bring those emotions to God. Yeah. And allow him to sort through them for you. What's the right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think... Uh, that's important. I, again, we don't we don't see the whole picture. We see the little picture that is in front of us, but God sees the whole picture from the beginning to the end. He knows how He's going to use each and every inter interaction uh, that we have. So we need to put that under His will mm -hmm. and under His authority, because we can screw something up really bad. Right. That God gives us opportunity to do. Absolutely, because. You know, they say sticks and stones may break my bones and words will never hurt me. But all of us know by the time you're, you know, even as, as a kid, you learn pretty quickly that sometimes words can be more hurtful mm -hmm. than sticks and stones. And yeah. the words, once they're out there, they can't be taken back. So sometimes the emotional abuse or the emotional reaction, the volatileness is just as, if not more harmful than physically doing some sort of action. Uh, so the last one is, is impulse control, which is at the very basic level of that, not only our emotional response, but that our impulses are now actually, I, I like how you've been comparing, we respond rather than react. And that our impulses don't just dominate us, but that we actually have established such a sense of self-control and so much character that even our impulses don't pop up in ways that are not honoring of God. Yeah, let me read the scripture and then you can go more into it. So we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Uh, Jesus teaching here. Uh, he says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's that impulse. A temptation is goes by you and your quick response right away. Sometimes we don't even think about it. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate how fast the, that head movement happens or, or the eye twitches to where it's not supposed to go. Or, yeah. you, or you hit your toe and a word comes out that shouldn't come out. <laughs> oh, conviction. Not healthy. <laughs> well, that reminds me of uh, James chapter 1. And then I know you want to share the story yeah. about Jesus uh, being an example of this. But James chapter 1, uh, verse 13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Right? So this is the impulse, like all the way to the impulse control. God can't even be tempted. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, that's one, he is dragged away and enticed. That's two. That's emotional. And then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. 
the sin being the action, and then ultimately death being the consequence. So this is a very biblical example of those three layers. You know, first is that temptation, which is that impulse. Then you have the desire, because um, you've been dragged away and enticed. That's the emotional response. And then lastly, it's your movement, your action, uh, which ultimately then is sin and leads to death. Yeah, and I really, I love the, that scripture. And I always point, point out that there's all those points where you can stop. Right. It doesn't become sin till the end of it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean that Amen. the impulse is a sin or the emotion is a sin. We've been teaching about that, that the emotions are just emotions. It's still not sin. God, it's almost like three strikes, you know, yeah. God is, gives you a chance. It's like, okay, you had the impulse. You're going to deal with it. Well, now you have the emotion. You're going to squash it. And then finally, well, are well, you going to do it? Well, well, and even in that, by God's grace, even in our sin, if we come and repent, he will forgive. Right. There's even in that step before death comes into into our heart where we totally turn away from the Lord. The problem is, is when we sin and have no remorse right. and don't seek forgiveness, then God's like, well, you don't need You don't want it. You don't need me. You don't want me. That's fine. That's, that's the life you're going to live for eternity without me. Uh, so that is, that is the great steps. What I love, uh, what I love is that, is how Jesus shows us self-control. Well, he really gives us, I think we see the key to how self-control becomes possible because no amount of willpower allows you to have self-control. Like anyone who's been on a diet for more than a day, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you willpower, you know, that cheeseburger into a salad, like it's not happening. And so the, you have to really pull the desire and the impulse. You have to pull these things out by the root. And Jesus reflects this this key in, yeah. in the story. Yeah. So we're it's right at the end of the gospel gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew twenty six. Uh, it's just in the Gethsemane, um, and here people come come in to arrest Jesus and Peter, my, my boy, with no no self control, <laughs> no self control at all. But I'll be honest with you, I would have been standing right next to Jesus with a, and Peter with a sword in my hand. But that's just me. But me and Peter, we, we, we tied like that. But anyways, uh, verse chapter 26, verse 52. Again, they st stepped forward. Peter cuts off uh, an ear. I don't know how he... Anyways, it's, Jesus speaks to him. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Here's the key. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? What a amazing way to show self-control. That self-control comes with power. That I think that that's the authority. That's the authority. That's the key. He has so much power that this doesn't bother him. Just a little while ago, he was praying, let not my will be done, but yours. Take this cup away from me, right? But he fell under the authority of God and he has the authority because of the relationship that he has with God that he can get himself out of this. He can call on legions of angels. He can, he doesn't need Peter to defend him again. Let's 
God doesn't need us to defend him. This whole righteous anger. God doesn't need us to defend him. Yeah, it's more we feel like anyways. But he's reminding us that the reason this is happening because God's will need to be fulfilled. The scriptures need to be fulfilled. God's will for the humanity needs to be fulfilled. And if if Peter would have stopped them right there, somehow he would have ninja killed them all somehow. <laughs> and Jesus run, they, Jesus doesn't get arrested. What happens now? Right. Where's the gospel now? Yeah, then. exactly. What is happening there? That would have been not what God wanted us to do. If again, thankfully. Jesus was there with authority over Peter and was able to rebuke him and were able to show what his real authority is, and that is in self, being self-controlled and everything else. I love it. He understands what, what he stands on, and we should do the same thing who are filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, love, uh, I love Psalm 118. 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? We should walk around with like the same way that, yes, there's things come our way and everything else. But if God is with us, what's gonna, who can be against us? What's gonna, what are they going to do to me? Right. We yeah. can fear. I mean, they can, you know, but the Lord tells us not to fear those who can take our life, right? But to fear the one who is judge over yeah. all. And that's that's the important part is that we we cannot allow someone to make us angry or make us this or make us that or get in our face and we feel like we have to get so boundaries are good. We're not saying that anyone should be a doormat, but on the yeah. other hand, when you know your authority, you know your position of power that you have the upper hand that all of heaven and earth is you know we're children of the king of, of the Almighty yeah. God. Uh, and and he will not allow anything to happen to us that is outside of his sovereignty and his will. And yeah. and right before the story that you were sharing in the scene in of his arrest, John's account of this same time period before that, he's at the Last Supper, and we often know the story of where he washes his disciples' feet. And this is where I think there's this key change. It says in John 13, verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table, took out his outer cloth and wrapped it around his waist and he began to wash their feet. And the, the distinction there is he knew that he was going to have to suffer, but he also knew who he was. He knew he was the son of the living God. He knew that all authority had been placed under his feet. So he's able to confidently say, don't you know, I could call the ages of it. I, there is nothing that you could do to me. He actually has that moment also with, with Pilate. Pilate. Yeah. Yeah. He says, there's nothing that you could do to me that hasn't been, you know, given, you haven't been given power from above. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the authority that we need to walk in as we grow in the spirit. Again, the, the goal is, this is the fruit of the spirit. It's not, you pray a magic prayer and all of a sudden your Mr. or Mrs. Self-control. This is as you spend time and you cultivate, you water yourself, wash yourself in the word and you spend time in God's presence and you fill yourself up with these good things of God and the promises of God. And he begins to transform you. The fruit of self-control begins to take root in your life. Mm -hmm. So you can't will it into existence. You can't 
shame yourself or guilt yourself into being a self-controlled person who has no anger. No, you know, these are things that you have to actively work on, you know, working through with the help of a, a spiritual advisor through your church community, maybe even a therapist through emotional issues that are triggers. These are things that in order to yield the fruit of self-control, you have to actively work as a gardener works in the garden. It takes time. It takes consistency. It takes patience. And it takes the fact that sometimes you got to pull out some weeds from your life. Uh -huh. And there may be some people that you need to, to stay away from. There may be some times when things creep up the old you and you just pull it out, put it to the side and you get back to the plow. And I think that's the beautiful imagery of the fruit of the spirit, starting with this first one with having self-control. Absolutely. So hopefully you guys were blessed by that. Again, if those who are in the Chicago area, you're more than welcome to um, come come with us to our church where we meet at 5.30 p.m. for fellowship. Six o'clock is a service start. We're at 3350 North Harlem Avenue in Chicago. Um, and we actually are really excited for those who are not in Chicago area in, in the next couple of um, months or, or so. We want to start a Zoom where you are able to log in and have a conversation and discuss our teachings with us. So that way it's just not a one-way thing, but we get a chance to ask questions and um, hear that, from you. Yeah, and hear from you and hear your thoughts and learn from you. So we're really excited about what God is doing uh, with our church and what we're doing through this podcast. And we always pray that there'll be a blessing uh, to those who hear it. So if you're interested in joining us for a live Zoom session, uh, we're thinking Wednesday nights, central time. Again, we're here in the Midwest of the United States. We're thinking around 6.30 or so on a Wednesday night that we would be able to join on a Zoom call. If you're interested, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com, and we will keep you updated about that information. And it's also just great to hear from you. Uh, until we see you again, just know that you are loved and covered in prayer. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.